everyone. I hope you're having a great start to the week. I want to share a message with you all this week about encouragement, getting out of your comfort zone, taking on a challenge and remembering that you can do hard things. Now, for regular listeners of the show, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time or if you've read the Power Hour book, then you probably are familiar with my motto, you can do hard things. Now, the reason I say you can do hard things is because often when I deliver talks, there's always a Q&A section. And often when I'm asked about motivation or about mindset and my approach to taking on any challenge in my life, personal or professional, I always come back to this idea of you can do hard things because often what I find is that people are they're asking me to give them guidance or advice or some top tip or sometimes a hack or a shortcut to make something easier. You know, we always want things to be easy. Of course we do, whether that's uh, a physical challenge like a race or whether that's a mental challenge or something that requires discipline and something that we find difficult we always want to make it easier for ourselves of course we do so if there's a hack or a shortcut the temptation is to think great I'm going to do that but I think sometimes when we acknowledge the fact that some things are just hard and they're always going to be hard it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it or how much time you put in you know I think we're sometimes told a lie that you know practice makes perfect or that the more times you do something you're just going to improve exponentially and it's not always true some things for me anyway in my experience some things are difficult and they will always be difficult. And so instead of waiting for that thing to become easy, I instead decide to accept that you can do hard things. You can do a challenge regardless of whether you find it difficult or not. And so that's really where my endurance running comes in. You know, pre-2020, pre the pandemic, I used to do a lot of races. I used to run a lot of endurance races. And so I think that maybe the misconception is that I'm a really, really great endurance runner. And so that must be why I do all these races around the world. When in fact, I'm not a particularly good endurance runner. I'd say I'm probably more natural at sprinting or or short distances, but I've really worked hard over the last few years, over the last nine years actually to improve my running to improve my endurance and also I accept that I find it hard I'm always going to find it hard running a marathon is always going to be hard but you can do hard things and I basically applied that same discipline when it came to writing the power hour book you know there were times when I thought oh my goodness this is such an overwhelming task I've never written anything longer than 10,000 words let alone 70,000 But I just broke it down in the same way. You know, I had a schedule. I had to be disciplined. I had to stick to it. And I had to accept that this is going to be difficult sometimes, but you can do hard things. So the reason I'm revisiting this message and sharing this with you all is because I've definitely been feeling over the last few months as things start to feel as though the world is opening up again and we're able to leave our homes for a start, but we're also able to leave our country. We're able to travel more easily again and we're able to um, do in-person events again and join big groups and big communities. I've definitely had a real urge, a real craving for new, new things, new adventures, new countries, new menus, new languages, new foods. I want to go and see new places that I've never, ever been to before. Now, I understand and appreciate that I'm incredibly fortunate, I'm incredibly privileged to be in a position that I can go to different places around the world. I can work in different places. I've definitely created a career that allows me to 
pack up my stuff, literally, a mic, uh, a laptop, whatever I need, a notebook, some trainers, and off I go. You know, I can kind of work at the moment quite flexibly and, and from anywhere, which is amazing. So that's definitely something that I'm exploring more this year and something that I want to encourage others to think about and to consider because for so many of us for the last few years, you know, the focus has been, maybe it's been work, maybe it's been home. And yeah, I think with a lot of the conversations that I have on this show, I'm so fortunate when I sit down and I listen to the wisdom, the wisdom that is shared by the many guests I've interviewed. And we've talked a lot over the last couple of years during the pandemic, during the different episodes about really identifying what's important to us about values about regrets I really remember the episode I did with Sam Conniff talking about uncertainty and regret and yeah I don't I don't just record these episodes and then forget about it you know I really do reflect I consider okay am I living a life that I truly want to am I living in alignment with the values that I have are the things I'm doing today taking me in the direction that I want to go in so all that to say I'm going to be traveling a lot as much as possible and working and doing and exploring and seeking new adventures and new challenges and that is what has led me to taking on my first ever trail race so I'm going to be running a race at the end of May it is with the Tribe Freedom Foundation and it's the Tribe Golden Island Half Marathon. So it's a 21k trail race, as I mentioned, and it is a climb. It is a vertical climb. I've never done a race like this before. I've run the distance before, but only on road. I've only done, you know, half marathons on, on the road. So it's going to be a real challenge physically, mentally. And it's also creating discipline in my life again, because my training, to be honest, for the last few months has been pretty sporadic. The last race that I did last year was the Hackney Half Marathon. And my training was pretty sporadic for that as well. So this is really a time for me to get disciplined again. I'm sticking to a training plan. And what I've noticed for myself when it comes to staying motivated to train for races, I know that when I have a race in the diary, I have a deadline that I'm working towards, when I can see progress week on week, whether it's no matter how big or small, and when I know that I'm going to feel the sense of achievement, so I'm going to complete something that's difficult. That Those three things seem to just be the magic kind of secret source for me when it comes to motivation. So it's a deadline, progress and achievement so those three things uh what i have in my mind when i think about how i'm going to tackle this race and so in today's episode i've invited two of the three founders of the tribe foundation to share a little bit more about the race but also about the charity about the work that they do as i've known about this charity for such a long time and they do incredible work and so i was really really grateful and really excited when the opportunity came up to do this race with them in Croatia. I should have mentioned that it's in Croatia. So I'm going to leave all the info, everything you need to know if you want to join this race as well. It's in the show notes. If you're listening to this and thinking, yeah, you know what? I am in the same headspace right now. I want to explore new places. I want to get out of my comfort zone. I want to try something new. Often when I talk to people, they'll nod their head and agree they're like yes Adrian, I hear you that is me too but often it's difficult to take action and to actually commit to something so this could be 
the opportunity or the adventure that you have been seeking. So I'll leave all the information in the show notes for you to find out absolutely everything about the race, when it is, where it is, how to sign up. There's still spaces available, so go quickly. I've also set up a Just Giving page. The link will be in the show notes as well. Any support that you can give would be fantastic. If you listen to the show each week, if you enjoy the podcast, then please consider making a donation, however big or small. All right, let's dive in to this week's episode with the founders of Tribe. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Rob and Tom, welcome to the Power Hour podcast. How are you doing? Really well. Great to be here. So uh, thanks so much for having us, Adrian. We've been big fans for a long time. It is my pleasure. And as I have two guests today and we're still recording remotely for the sake of the listeners and also myself i'm going to try my best to use each of your names as much as possible so that the listeners will know who i'm talking to so before we dive in because i've got so much i want to talk to you about today we're going to talk about the tribe freedom foundation we're going to hear all about why you founded tribe what it's all about the mission We're also going to talk about Run for Love, a race that I am currently training to take part in later this year. And I cannot wait. We're going to move on to that, but I cannot wait to actually be racing with other runners again. I can't wait to be in a hot country. I, oh, the motivation to train is real. And of course, all of the other work that you do and, and how it's been impacted by the pandemic. So first up, Rob, could you start off, please, by telling us, telling listeners what the Tribe Freedom Foundation is all about? Uh, Absolutely. So Tribe Freedom Foundation is a UK charity whose mission is to end modern slavery. Um, The foundation was started by myself, Tom and Guy, um, off the back of a long run we did um, seven years ago called Run for Love. Run for Love was a thousand mile run across Eastern Europe. And the whole idea for the project was to try and run a thousand miles in 30 days and in doing so to raise 250,000 pounds for the first home in the UK that provided care for child trafficking victims. And that project was a really amazing run. I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but it involved um, a huge group coming together um, to run for this amazing cause. And we all took part in that. And off the back of that we set up two things the first was tribe which is a nutrition company so we make amazing natural energy and protein products but we also wanted to create more than just a product and more than just a brand we wanted to have a mission at the heart of everything we did and we set up the tribe freedom foundation to continue the work of the first run for love and to continue our work to to fight modern slavery and so it sits alongside tribe the company um as a charity well thank you and yes you're right we're definitely going to dive more into into the race element and also into the work that you do so tom going back a bit further because you mentioned you know seven years ago you did this race um but i'd like to know 
from that, you know, how you really got started, because having an idea is, is one thing, you know, arguably it's the easiest part for lots of people. They have good ideas every day, but very few people have the courage or the will to execute on that idea or the vision and to actually create a plan and commit and say, okay, we're going to make this good idea into a movement, a company, an organization, whatever it is. So was there, what were you all doing before? And was there a catalyst or something that made you all commit and say, okay, this is really important to us. We're going to make this happen. I, th- I think the big thing was that um, in many ways, we were, before we were all working, I was a lawyer, Rob was doing something similar and Guy was working in banking. And Rumpelub was in many ways kind of the first time we'd kind of really done something that was, you know, I suppose genuinely kind of entrepreneurial and genuinely involved kind of trying to build build something, trying to rally people together, trying to create momentum around what we were doing. And I think just it was such an inspiring project and such a kind of motivating um, community of people that I think that gave us a huge confidence to say, wow, this is something we can actually do. Um, so I think it was really the kind of success, energy, momentum of Rumpa Love that, that gave us everything in terms of how we took the idea of building a kind of community around plant-based nutrition and around fighting modern slavery. I think Rumpa Love was also really inspiring there as well, because I think the biggest thing in, or certainly the biggest thing we found in the first first kind of seven years of our journey is that it is in the same way as long distance running. It's often just about keeping going, finding a way to yeah, move from one step to the next, find, finding, identifying those kind of key staging points you need to get to on your journey and, and making sure you get there and then looking up at the kind of mountain above. So um, Run for Love was both the kind of catalyst, but also has been the kind of ongoing motivation because it, it's kind of told us that often the most important thing is just just keeping going, keeping one foot in front of the other um, and, you know, breaking your journey down into lots of small steps. Sure. And I think that's really important, isn't it? Because, of course, as you say, seven years in, I can you know look back and hindsight's a wonderful thing. But I suppose at the start, you don't necessarily have a concrete plan. Right. So exactly what you're going to do, I suppose, yeah, just getting started and and seeing where it goes and how it grows and just being committed to to, to making it happen, I think is probably the, the, the most important takeaway. But I'd also love to hear, I guess, when you say modern slavery and, you know, I've, I've read uh, a lot on, on the site and obviously I know a lot about tribe. I've known a lot about tribe for a long time. But I think for a lot of listeners and myself included, before I started to really, I guess, research this, it's difficult for people to hear modern slavery and to really know what that is. So it'd be great if if you could explain to us what that actually means. And I think I'd like to just add firstly that, you know, this topic might be, you know, it's, it's quite difficult. It could be quite upsetting for listeners. So if you've got any young children around, you know, young ears listening, if you're driving in the car, for example, just be aware that, you know, this might not be appropriate for them. But yeah, if you could explain to us, I guess, what modern slavery is and where it is happening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, modern slavery is, I suppose, the definition might be something like the forced recruitment, moving or transit of people for the purpose of effectively abuse or exploitation. I think what many people don't realise is that modern slavery is still something that's happening today. I think it's estimated there is something like 14,000 people living in modern slavery um, in the UK. and, And that could be anything from you know, and the, these are cases that the foundation we, we we kind of get to know about tragically every day. But it could be anything from forced exploitation, working in a nail bar or a car wash, 
to um, force domestic um, work for people and to sort of cannabis farms happening in, you know, near Henley. I mean, the the, the tragedy is it's happening all around us, but also it's um, happening often in very kind of everyday plain sight places. Um, so, you know, one of the biggest challenges we face as foundation in terms of trying to fight modern slavery is just trying to build awareness around the fact that, you know, it's here and it's happening and often just getting people to see it, see that it's kind of everywhere is, is the biggest challenge because people always imagine it's something happening in some faraway place. Yeah, and maybe they even think it's just one kind of person as well. When they think about modern slavery, when they think about, you know, I read there's no typical victim, you know, a, a, it can be any gender, any race, any age. And as you described, here in the UK, as well as around the world. However, statistically, we know, although there's no typical victim, if you like, that the most vulnerable and most likely affected are those people from minorities or socially excluded groups. So what work is being done, firstly, to prevent it, but secondly, the, the work that you do to help people who may already be being exploited? Well, yeah, I, I think I think it, exactly. You're, you're totally right, Adrian. It's it's ultimately the most kind of vulnerable groups that are that are exploited, um, which, which is terrible. I mean, we kind of split the work of the foundation into three key objectives. I mean, first is raising awareness of slavery. Second is trying to prevent modern slavery happening. And, and that's often about trying to get businesses, communities, individuals to kind of be aware of it happening around them. And then the third thing we do is providing support to trafficking victims um, and trying to kind of help them on what is a very long journey to recovery. Um, as you'd imagine, there is some kind of once you've been kind of recovered or rescued as a trafficking victim, in a sense, that's just the start. And although there is lots of government support in that early phase for trafficking victims, ultimately, you know, the, the true journey back to personal independence and kind of true freedom it is obviously a very long and, and, and difficult journey and ultimately recovering from an extreme trauma. So that's, I suppose, the key thing we try and do at the foundation is we, we look to support amazing projects that are really about helping people on that journey. And, you know, it's, you know, as, as with lots of kind of types of trauma, it's not about the kind of two months after um, kind of recovering from it. It's about the kind of long-term journey back to freedom so that's um the kind of thing that, that we try and try and support with amazing events like run for love sure and and rob how did the pandemic affect the work that you do because i know for anybody who works in the charity sector over the last two years it feels that as though for some people you know obviously we're having a global pandemic which is impacting not only our our health our physical health but also you know the economy uh, the way we work the way we interact school everything and it felt like for a lot of charities it kind of you know the attention or the energy or the funding certainly wasn't a priority for a lot of people because it kind of felt that there was other things that you know were, were taking front and center but we know that this work is ongoing and so so important so yeah how did the how did the pandemic impact you well, I mean, the truth is massively. Um, we as a, a charity, more than any, are rooted in community. So the reason Tribe Freedom Foundation exists is because of its amazing mission, but also because there is this tribe, this group of people who really believe in the work it does and who want to be part of it. And so we rely on tens of thousands of, of members of the tribe who typically run, bike, um, come together in, in sporting events to um to raise funds that's one of our main fundraising sources and obviously like many charities kind of almost overnight 
that dried up. We had huge um, events planned for for 2020, which we had to um, yeah we had to, we had to cancel. But one of the things that was really inspiring um, about it, in some ways, was seeing how we were able to get virtual events together and how people still wanted to connect. So it's sort of strange thinking back to it now. It all seems like a distant world ago that that first lockdown but ultimately we had to find ways to bring people together to allow them to um, essentially connect with our work and feel that they could participate um, in fundraising and so we put on all sorts of virtual events um, and a bit like Tom was saying earlier it's just how can we put as much energy into this as possible and, and you know not give up um, and I'm sure lots of charities were, were the same and it just it began to generate its own momentum and actually we were able to keep supporting the amazing projects we support and 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 carry on through the generosity of, of the tribe community yeah and you mentioned you know a lot of people actually during the first lockdown started to get active maybe for the first time in a long time. I know a lot of people that took up running. I know the Strava year in sport report said that I think it was something like 70% increase in people tracking walks and runs more than twice a week. So we know that people are getting out, getting active. And of course now, you know, the world is changing again. And I feel as though people are maybe getting back into busier lives, busier routines, but I hope that there are, I know a lot of runners that listen to this show. So I I hope that people who maybe have started to either take on running as a new hobby or to challenge themselves with their running and you know took part in these virtual events I really hope that they are still out there still running sticking with it and if they are then of course I'd love to you know dive in and talk about the run for love event and the golden island half marathon trail adventure which is taking place in Croatia in May I will be there. I am buzzing to be part of this race. Uh, so can we, yeah, I guess, give us a bit of insight as to what this race is about, who can get involved, how many participants are there? Because I know that registration is still open at the moment, right? So people can still get involved. If they're listening to this, they're feeling inspired and they want to put some of their, their running over the last few years into, into a race. Absolutely. Well, I think the, the first thing to say about Run for Love, we would say it, it's an adventure not a race the idea is that it's a community coming together we've had um this is our fourth run for love um that we've done as a tribe and what's really really unique um is, is this group of people going on an incredible adventure in an amazing landscape and doing it for for an incredible and really important cause and the run for love in croatia is going to be yeah, going to be amazing. I mean, there's there's two elements to it. There's uh, the first is the the sort of full ultra run for love, uh, so the ultra distance, which is 250 kilometers, and it will see we'll see about 100 runners um, taking part over six days, and it crosses um, an amazing mountainous national park in Croatia. And then for the final day, there's opportunity to join. Um, which is really the main the main event, the half marathon, which can be run or hiked across a beautiful island called Kirk. And the trail we're out, Tom and I have, have run it. It's really, really beautiful, jaw-dropping kind of mountains in this beautiful island, amazing kind of sea views beneath. And we'll be camping out there. It's going to be a real, really unique adventure, a really challenging event, but, um, but one that anyone who's got um, a will to do it can definitely take part in. And I think... The message going back to some of the themes we've talked about is often it's just getting started is the most important thing. So signing up and committing 
to doing it, committing mentally to the challenge, and then um, the rest takes care of itself. I, I was fine. So I just really encourage anyone um, to, to join. Yeah, I really want to echo that because there's a few things I'm thinking. Number one is, of course, it is great to challenge yourself, you know, to take on a physical challenge that you benefit from, physical, mental challenge. I know that people who, whether they, you know, take on these mountaineering um, adventures such as Kilimanjaro, Everest, you know, these things that cost so much money and they they take such dedication physically and mentally. So I'm not discounting how how um, impactful and meaningful that is as, for an individual pursuit. But what I really love about this event and about the work that you do is that, yes, it's an adventure for yourself. Yes, it is a physical challenge. It's it's fun. It's going to be an amazing you know week and community. But the most important thing is that we are going to raise money and awareness for this, you know, fantastic cause and for the charity. So I feel like having that element of it, you know, this idea of doing something for yourself is great, but doing something in service of others is always better. So I just really want to echo that anyone can do it. And, you know, you said it can be a run, it can be a hike. And I think after the last two years of, you know, not being able to travel, not being able to go to new places, see new things, meet new people. Like I've been saying it for months, you know, I'm craving new, just literally new adventures, menus, views, whatever it is, you know, I've done the same three running routes around my house for two years. And so I really, yeah, I want to encourage people to say, if you've had that feeling during lockdown of, oh my gosh, I just want to experience something new, you know, really, I guess we've all reflected and thought about how, how things can change so quickly and how, how, how much it was so strange to have, you know, our freedom, my sense, in a sense, taken away from us when we had to stay home and be in your house all day, every day. So often people will say, Oh, I, I want to do these things or I want to try that, but it just stays an idea. Or like I always say, tomorrow stays tomorrow. So if you've been feeling that, I think this is a great opportunity to really take action and say, actually, this is something I can do. It is going to benefit my myself as an individual, but it's also going to be in service of others. So any runners listening, uh, Tom, Rob, what would your advice be to someone if they're listening and thinking, oh, actually, am I a good enough runner? Am I fit enough? Like how, how much training and prep do you need to do for this one? Well, I think I think, as you said, I didn't, like if there's a small part of anyone thinking I'm up for an adventure, I want to get out the English winter, I want to get into the sun, then my advice would just 100% be go for it. Um, I think it's just the, the island the race is happening on it is genuinely stunning. So, um, yeah, I, I think it really will be an opportunity to have a a quite accessible but genuinely life-changing adventure and as you say like you never well you never regret any run but you definitely don't regret um you know taking on a big challenge and adventure and the, there's an option to hike or run it so definitely um hopefully anyone can do it um but yeah i just would say go for it you won't regret it and um just the the adventure elements is what really makes this special the camping on the beach the the, the kind of island off the coast of Croatia, the the sun, the sea, um, it's going to be pretty special. Sounds dreamy. And Rob, are you running the race as well? I will be, yeah, I will be running. Um, I can't wait, actually. And uh, no, I've uh, I've started my training in earnest. I'm uh, not not quite as fit as I'd like to be, but um, but no, I'm really uh, really excited. And actually, what makes me most excited, I guess, is seeing everyone on Instagram or 
the tribe community out training and we do lots of group runs together as well so people can join for them and they're always a really you know it's really great to see I suppose the transformational potential without putting too fine a point on it yeah and a question that I know I'm probably going to get asked because I always do is as an extroverted person who you know I don't mind going to places on my own I don't mind meeting new people I don't mind chatting to anyone and everyone so unlucky if you get near next to me in the, in the race because you probably think why is this woman talking to me I just want to run and enjoy the view but for anyone who thinks well actually I don't know anyone else who's going to be there or anyone else who's who wants to do this race with me would you encourage people to sign up solo I, I definitely yeah I think it would um yeah I definitely I think what one of the things is you know that I think what we said earlier was I think it what's so special about tribe is that it is such a kind of warm and welcoming kind of genuine community of people and I think that that carries through into this race is that you know I think if if there was an award for you know the world's kind of friendliest race um <laughs> well that sounds a bit cheesy saying that I I really think run for love would <laughs> would be close to that because it is just such a kind of warm welcoming encouraging environment it's not it's not meant to be a kind of there's nothing competitive or not kind of open and I, I think as you say what what really bonds everyone is that because everyone has got this shared sense of purpose around fighting slavery and um you know doing that as a kind of shared mission it kind of gives such a kind of common bond to all runners and um I think also because we're, we're a community and because we're a charity we don't we don't really approach it like a race we try and approach it you know in, like we did run for love one which is just thinking of it as something we were doing with with, with a group of friends and I think that that still kind of carries through really yeah and just for anyone listening it's my first trail adventure race the only races I guess official races and runs that I've done have always been road races so it's definitely going to be a new adventure and a new challenge for me which is partly why I'm so excited to to, to be involved I've started my training and I'm trying to find routes to run that are hilly I'm trying to find those inclines I'm doing tread sessions I'm actually doing a little bit of strength training which I've neglected for so long so I'm fully committed. I am into it. So anybody who is getting involved, please do reach out. We're going to leave all the information in the show notes for how you can get involved and all the links to everything that you need to know about the race. So the last thing I want to talk to you about before we talk about the power hour, I guess is a little bit more of an individual you know, question for the both of you. And that is about change and you know you mentioned at the start at the top of this interview that before setting up the tribe foundation you know you both had different jobs so working in law working in banking now that is another huge shift i suppose that we're seeing at the moment is that due to the pandemic a lot of people have reflected on the careers that they have the work-life balance or the work-life blend maybe that they have and i think a lot of people have decided that they do want to make a change when they reflect on how they were working and living before they don't know if that is something that was maybe the best way for them and so a lot of people i think are exploring new ways of working maybe considering changing careers changing industries setting up their own thing so as two people who've done that a long time ago pre-pandemic what would your advice be i suppose for anyone who is currently thinking about that making a big change like you have because going from i guess working in banking or working in law to what you do now it must be hugely different so what advice would you give them tom do you want to go i think the advice i i would give is just trust your instincts i think um i think often you can spend a lot of time thinking thinking about these kind of things but i think if you have a kind of instinctive belief that that you want to make a change or that that you'd be able to do do well in the, in a different setting or or a different setting then i think i would just say go for it cuz i think ultimately your instincts probably come from you know quite a kind of deep down belief and confidence and i think um often what 
what gets people into trouble is kind of not trusting your instincts and trusting other things. So I definitely would say, you know, if you think, oh, I'd be really good at whatever it is, then go for it because you'll probably be quite good at that thing. And also you'll probably enjoy it a lot more. And that's probably why your instincts are telling you to go for it. Yeah, and I think enjoyment is one thing, but I guess doing work that feels meaningful to you, work that feels impactful to you. Rob, would you say, yeah, what's, what was the change like for you? How different is your life now as opposed to before? Work? Were you working in banking before? I was a lawyer, actually. You were um, a lawyer. Before. But yeah, I mean, mass, massively different. Um, and I think I, I look back on that time, it seems, it seems, yeah, it's a completely different world, to be honest. But I think that, so those are two things I would say is, often getting going is the most important and thinking through what are the like actual steps you can take to move you forward um and i remember when we set up tribe um the nutrition uh you know the nutrition business i remember we were all working our other jobs but we set up this kind of trial where we got 60 people um emailed them and said can we send out a pack of our prototype nutrition bars and we're going to send you three packs over three weeks and get your feedback and actually that process the most important part of that process was that it just got us started although you know the product is so different now from what it was then although you know we, the, the foundation and everything we're doing it, you know is unrecognizable in a sense it was taking a step and that step generated momentum and it, it sort of got us thinking practically because I think often you can spend too much time in your head I mean one can and especially when we're thinking about a big change or a, uh, taking a big step and I think actually the most important thing is to try and get out of your head and into your into doing and finding a way to do that in a way that's kind of doesn't feel like you're taking a massive risk but actually is something that you can get on board with and, and just get going with and actually then things start to take care of themselves yeah and I think risk that word risk is really important because I do think people still even though the world has changed quite a lot and you might argue that it's actually less risky nowadays to to create something of your own but I think people always have that in their mind don't they you know if they're doing something oh it's a big risk to, to change or to start something of my own and of course you have to be considered you know as you said you were doing your job at the same time it wasn't just a case of all right you know quit tomorrow and follow your dreams the reality is you know real life right we all have to consider different circumstances and and bills obligations whatever it is but I always want to yeah I always want to ask because as I said before lots of people tell me especially because I talk to a lot of people about motivation about change about taking action in your life you know I don't just say it I genuinely want people to to feel empowered to do that and so the questions that often come up are those fears those reservations those the challenge I hear often from people is oh it's just not realistic you know I'm not the kind of person who's just going to leave my job and go and start my own company but that is what they want so yeah I always like to ask and say well you know you weren't completely um you know you're not different to those people you probably had the same thoughts as them but here you are now seven years on still going strong and I guess lastly as well who you choose to do it with is important right so there's three of you now I read that when founding a company one founder apparently not good because there's no one to give you feedback you kind of apparently have to be a very narcissistic psychopath to be a solo founder is what I heard um two founders apparently also not as good because better than one because there's more of course you know two more ideas more back and forth more feedback but ultimately decision making is very hard you can lock into a stalemate because if one person wants to do something and the other person doesn't how do you 
I guess, come to conclusion. But then three apparently is the magic number. Now I work at a startup with three founders and apparently that is the magic number. So yeah, what would you say about who you choose to work with as well, you know, in terms of different skill sets and different approaches? How, how has that been for you? I can't imagine having done it on my own. Um, and I think who you choose to do it with is obviously such such an important question. So you spend 12, 15 hours a day with them for you know years and years. And it's I think it's so, so important that you're really a, a aligned in what you're trying to do and that you really trust each other. And actually, if you have those two things, my view is the rest kind of takes care of itself. I have a huge amount of respect for people who go out and do it on their own, on their own, i.e. just one person. So I think it's always having someone else who you feel you can pick up the phone to whatever the time is and just, you know, be completely, who's completely like on the same wavelength as you, I think makes a massive, massive difference. Tom may feel differently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How do you feel? No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, no, I, th- I think um, definitely just couldn't echo more what Rob said. I think I think it must be it must be hard to do something completely on your own. You must must feel very kind of uh, that must be really hard. So I think definitely, if you can doing something as part of a team, I think is is, is definitely the best the best way. And um, you know, inevitably, you know, everyone has their own sort of ups and downs. And I think the great thing is if you're a sort of leadership team, then you know. It's, it, you kind of will carry each other at different moments. So yeah, I definitely um, think if, if you if you can um, find you know one one or two others that are keen to kind of go on go on the journey as well, then I think um, you'll enjoy it a lot more and you'll probably be yeah, more effective at it. So definitely. Yeah, it sounds cheesy, but I read this and it stuck with me, and it basically it's quite apt for the running community. And it says if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. And I really think that it's true probably in business and work and in life is that if you're doing something and yes, solo pursuit, you might get there quicker, but I feel like seven years in, you know, that longevity, having the the stamina, I suppose, to keep going by yourself as opposed to in a group or in a team it is so, so different. So totally agree. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. So let's talk about the power hour. So concept of the power hour, I'm sure regular listeners of the show could probably recite this word for word, but essentially it is about the first hour of the day. For me, that is nice and early, especially now that the mornings are getting brighter, the clocks change soon, it's getting warmer and it just feels, yeah, the power hour. This is the best time of year to embrace the power hour. So I get up nice and early. I dedicate the first hour of my day to doing something that I want to do, something intentional. I try and eliminate distractions as much as possible to to have solitude and to, yeah, start the day feeling good. So for our listeners, I always like to ask the guests at this point in the show what their power hour is like, what time they get up and what they do. But as we have both of you here today, I think I'll maybe keep it a bit briefer. And so Tom, I'd love to know firstly, what time do you get up? And then if you could share with us 
one thing that you love about the morning and one thing that you avoid in the first hour? I get up at about 6am. I always try if I can to read the paper for about 20 minutes quite soon after waking up. And um, I try and avoid checking uh, phones and emails for the first hour of the morning. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Let's be honest. It is a hard thing to do. But a lot of people say that as well. Rob, what about you? What do you love about the mornings? What do you avoid? What times your day start? So I get up uh, between 5.30 and 6. And I actually quite like to start work as, as soon as possible. I find I think much better early in the morning. I'm not so good thinking in the evening. So I, uh, I would try and start work as soon as possible and do the part of my tribe work, which is the most kind of creative or thought intensive um, in those first like two hours of the day. Um, and then I try to exercise in the evening instead of in the morning. Um, and in terms of avoiding, I'm similar. I've, I always sleep with my phone outside of the room to try and stop myself. Because otherwise I find I, I start checking my phone, so lie in bed checking my phone, which isn't very productive. Yeah, again, it's a habit, but I'm exactly the same. My phone does not enter the bedroom. I have a no tech in the bedroom rule. But I'm going to put a, I'm going to double click on this point around training in the evening because that is yeah that's that's a I can't train in the evening and then sleep so what kind of training how late do you mean running or any training I actually run I'm I'm weird I can sleep uh, all right after it so I'll often go to the track um like running track and I normally get there at like between 8 30 and 9 um and might run for an hour um there and then and then, yeah, I go to bed, I eat quite late and then straight to bed. Wow. Which is quite a weird routine. Yeah, very impressive. I mean, you've got to figure out what works for you, right? Around your lifestyle and what you enjoy. But I remember when I used to run with the London Midnight Runners. Now, this is way back. This is five or six years ago. And for anyone who doesn't know, London Midnight Runners, as you would imagine by the name, run late at night in London. So we used to meet at 10 p.m. at Westminster Bridge and run 10K. And then everyone would just, you know, have a drink or whatever after. So uh, that's when I used to run late and I used to, no matter how tired I was when I got home, I could not sleep. I would be wired. I'd be wide awake, full of adrenaline, cortisol. And I mean, we did used to run in a massive group with speakers. So that's probably why, but yeah, running late for me, I had to switch it up to, to the mornings. I think it's pretty common that we have with lots of, uh, runners with tribe as well, can't run in the evening. So yeah, there's too much it gets everything going and then it's hard to kind of wind down. Well, whatever works, as like I say, you've got to fit in the training when you can, especially if you are going to be coming to Croatia, which I hope that some of the listeners will do. Thank you so much for joining both of you. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And of course, I will see you in Croatia. Bring it on. Can't wait. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks everyone for tuning in. As always, I really, really appreciate it. We'll leave links. We'll leave all the info that you need in the show notes. And I'll be back next week with another episode. Stay safe. Have a great week. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 